Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have actress and podcaster, Quincy Staker. I've known Quincy for the last few years here, uh, primarily through the Movie Nerds We Trust podcast that she co-hosts with Christopher James, and also uh, through a few films that Quincy and I have both both worked on. You know, we've worked on the same film, but we've never actually been on set together for the film. So it's always been kind of funny to, uh, to see those same credits pop up and then be like, wait, I didn't see you on set. But yeah, it was fun to kind of catch up with Quincy and, uh, and learn, you know, a little bit more about her acting career. I had no idea she'd been acting uh, basically all her life since she was a child. So it was fun kind of hearing about that, hearing about growing up and acting and how she got involved with film. Um, and also as well as how she got involved with uh, the Movie Nerds We Trust podcast. Uh, like I said, you know, I've been on their show a number of times and I've always meant to have Quincy on, on this show. And uh, yeah, I was finally able to make our schedules work out uh, to have her on the show. And it was just so much fun being able to talk and catch up with her. I kind of feel bad we realized on the show that the only time we really have a chance to, uh, to catch up is on podcasts. And I mean, sometimes, you know, especially as you're coming up in this business, like, that's the only times that you do get to see each other is when it's on a sh- on some type of show uh, that you guys are both working on or being a guest on each other's shows uh, because our schedules do get out of control, you know, whether it's filming or travel or anything like that. So it was fun to finally sit down and catch up. But yeah, we definitely have to make a change and, uh, and be able to catch up outside of just being on podcasts. So, but yeah, it's a great episode that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. Uh, if you're not familiar with Quincy, um, you can see a lot of her work online. So I will have a link to, you know, her IMDb, her Twitter, her Instagram. So you can kind of see some of that and find out, you know, where you'll be able to see some of her films. I know she does have a number of films that are um, short films that are going to be coming out here. The guest I have on today is, is actually uh, the writer of one of the films that Quincy is, is going to be in coming up here. Um, so you guys make sure you go check that out as well. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun talking with Quincy. Uh, if you're in Salt Lake City coming up here September 1st through the 3rd, uh, make sure you come find me at Salt Lake Comic Con. Again, I don't know what my panel schedule is just yet. As soon as they get me up to date on that, I will let you guys know where you can find me. Uh, Christopher, Jesse, and I will also be about the convention floor recording a few episodes of the podcast and talking with people. So if you see us, come out and say hi. We always like meeting everybody, especially at Comic-Cons. That that is our people, so we enjoy talking to everybody there. So make sure you do come out and say hi. Um, And then the 4th, or excuse me, September 3rd through the 6th, uh, myself, Christopher, and Jesse will be back in Los Angeles. Uh, we'll be recording a handful of episodes. Uh, yeah, with more details to come on that. We're excited to you know get out there and talk with a bunch of different comics that we've been friends with for a while. That again, we don't get a chance to catch up with them unless it's on a podcast. So. Uh, yeah, we're excited to be out there and talking with them. Um, any of the other events and dates will be up on the site, on the micpodcast.com. You can go there and check out the, uh, the calendar tab, um, and you'll see you know any of the events that uh, I will be at. Um, and I will also list on there if Jesse and Christopher, um, and possibly even Austin, uh, will be in attendance as well with me. So you, with, with Austin's schedule right now, uh, you never know, you know when he's going to be available. He's working on a play up at the University of Utah. And uh, yeah, it's going to, I believe it's Bring It On. So I think that's the play that they're working on right now. I'm not completely sure. As soon as Austin gives me more details, I will make sure I get, get to you guys with that. So you guys can go see him in that as well. But that is our information for right now. So, uh, yeah, make sure you come see me at Salt Lake Comic Con. And uh, if you're in Los Angeles, hit us up. We'd love to meet you um, while we're in town. So in recording, uh, we'll probably record some over at UCB, over at the Inner Sanctum there. Um, other information will be announced as we get closer. Uh, but, yeah, keep... 
keep your ears open for that. Again, thank you to Quincy Staker for taking the time uh, to come on the show and, uh, and to catch up with me on uh, kind of what she's been doing acting-wise and podcasting-wise. And uh, yeah, we also talked a little bit about Suicide Squad, so if you have not well, not seen Suicide Squad yet, you know, there are a few little, uh, few little spoilers in there, so uh, if you don't want to hear those spoilers, it's at the very, very end that we kind of talk about that, but yeah, it's not... It's more or less our review letting you know why we didn't like the movie. So, <laughs> But yeah, make sure you guys check her out. Follow her on the links that are going to be up on the website. Make sure you check out In Movie Nerds We Trust with Quincy Staker, uh, co-hosting with, with uh, our good friend Christopher James. Give that show a listen as well. Enjoy this episode with Quincy Staker. These are all the years that I've gone down. Like, that's the program uh-huh. for oh, each wow. year. But I don't have this year's yet. Mm-hmm. So I never put in my request. And then the person I had at the Academy moved on. So I was like, oh, I don't know who else to who else to reach hey. out to now. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, since I'm part of their press corps, I get those each year. Right. So, and then, like, Christopher went down with us this year when during the Oscars. And that was, it's quite the, uh, it's quite the experience yeah. to... Be there and kind of watch it all and see the, see the craziness and get propositioned to by pimps mm-hmm. one in the morning and it was. Did he tell you guys that story? Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't think so. We were walking up Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, we we're heading up to the Hollywood Bowl, and since all the streets were closed off, we we're like, eh, we were, our hotel's closed enough. We'll just walk up because we had the big uh, live with Kelly after party. Mm-hmm. And these two guys stop us and they were just like, "Hey, you guys looking for a good time?" <laughs> and I was like, "Nope." And, like, we just kind of kept going. And they're like, no, 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 seriously. And Jesse's like, no, no, we're good. They're like, come on, man, we even got cocaine. We were like, you thought that was going to sweeten the deal. Like, <laughs> it was, wow. And it was funny, too, because it was Christopher's first taste of L.A. Yeah. We had been in town for not even 24 hours. And that's that's what he was getting. And he was just like, oh, this is, uh, this is interesting. I'm like, it's not normal. You're not normally going to get off. Yeah. Offered hookers and cocaine right. at one in the morning. It's I think just because it's Oscar weekend. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of out or, out of towners, a lot of celebrities yeah. that look for that. I know my brother-in-law used to work at the Bellagio. He was the reservations manager there, and lots of celebrities would come in. And he said a lot of married guys would like be ordering call girls oh, up to their rooms. <laughs> Jay Z even. So when Lemonade came out, I was just like, yeah. Kind of saw that coming. Yeah. So. I think everybody did when people were like, what, he cheated on Beyonce? It was like, you you, you didn't think he had it? was like, you really think Jay-Z <laughs> is the most faithful guy in the yeah. world? Yeah. No, I mean, he, he has an entire song about Big Pimpin'. I mean, yeah. he's, he, he's, he's, not, he's not the guy that we somehow he's had built up in husband. our... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how have things been? I, th- I think it's been, a, what, at least a couple months since I recorded with you guys last. Yeah, I think... Yeah, July, be, end of June, beginning of July. Yeah, I think it was the yeah. end of June because we were promoting the the Comic-Con show. Yeah, and we talked about so, the Muppets. Yes, it was, yeah, all right, it was the Muppet show. Mm-hmm. I've, I started just to kind of mesh them all together because we've talked about so many mm-hmm. different ones that yeah. I've been on with you. Because I think I've done, see, I've done The Hangover, mm-hmm. Pee- done Pee Wee, uh, Saturday Night Live, Yeah. and then The Muppets. Yeah. I don't think I was there for the Saturday Night Live. No, one. you were there for was, that one. 
I wasn't. Or no, I was. you were. I were. Yeah. <laughs> you were definitely there for that one. Yeah. Okay. I don't think there's been any of them that where I've been the guest that you haven't been there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I filled in for you when yeah. you haven't been able to be there. But you've That's always true. been there when. When you've been there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. otherwise, like, I co-hosted when Austin was on. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And yeah. Carrie Jackson's. I did his. And then the David Keckner one was more or less a fluke that I co-hosted. Yeah. Because I had the request that we were going to have him on, and so did Christopher. Right. But there was only going to be, like, 35, 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why don't we just do it together? And I was like, okay, that works. <laughs> yeah. I, rem- I was disappointed I wasn't able to do that. It was short notice, though, and I had yeah. filming going on. We didn't even know going into it that day if it was going to happen. Oh, really? Like, that's how, that's how just kind of by the seat of our pants we were going on that. Because his people had said, like, yeah, he'll do it. But then Jonathan, who was running 50 West, was like, yeah, we don't know 100% if he's going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, just show up at that time. And so Christopher, <laughs> and we'll see what and like, happens. I mean, granted, Christopher was opening the show, so he had to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I was just kind of showing up. I'm like, all right, so <laughs> are we doing this? Or... And he had been doing radio all day. Like, as soon as he got into town, they, like, threw him right into all the studios upstairs. And right. it was, yeah, so we, we were just kind of, we were lucky with that. And then Julian McCullough, when he was on. Mm-hmm. We had just turned right around and asked. We're like, hey, we know Julian's coming to town. He was all for it. Just, oh, yeah, let's do this. And yeah. So, yeah. There, there's, those are the only few I think I filled. I think I've I've been there with you for four, and then I filled in for four. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's always a good time. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is, very much. <laughs> so, I know, I know you've been filming mm-hmm. some. I saw I saw on social media that you had got caught in a rainstorm filming a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a lot of fun, actually. There was... Never a time when I was miserable on that film set, despite the freezing, cold, yeah. torrential downpour that happened. We were, um, I was filming, uh, working on a feature with Kip Howard that we're hopefully we'll be able to reschedule and get back up and do in the next yeah. couple of months. But it was all outside. It's kind of like a doomsday, end of the world party, the scene that I'm in. And it was sunny whole time nice hot warm and we could see rain clouds coming in we're like it won't be that bad <laughs> and it started raining a little bit so we're like okay let's go take cover and we'll wait for this yeah. to stop and it did and it was still cloudy and then i remember just thinking i'm gonna take my umbrella when we go back out there just to be on the safe side because it was still kind of raining and i remember we were watching some other people get their scenes filmed and i looked around and you could literally see the rain moving towards us and i just heard someone behind me go oh shit everybody at the same time just like puts their umbrellas up i had about four people under my umbrella the other there was a bunch of people trying to cover the camera to keep that from getting ruined and everything and finally i think we stood out there probably a good five to ten minutes in the rain just like waiting like maybe it'll pass maybe it'll pass and it didn't so we all started walking back my umbrella like the wind and the rain was so strong it broke my Jeez. umbrella. Like Where were you guys filming We were out at Daybreak Park. Oh, yeah, and the wind picks yeah. up really bad out yeah, there. Yeah, we were originally supposed to be filming out at um, the Salt Palace, out on the lake and everything, mm-hmm. which kind of glad that didn't yeah. happen. That would have sucked really bad. <laughs> so, But it was fun. Everyone everyone was a really good sport about it. There was no one like complaining or anything. I think we wanted to try and wait it out, but seeing as how my scene, we were all, like, dressed up really nice and evening gowns and suits and everything yeah. was kind of like, well, 
we don't really look the same as we did in the footage we've already got, so... Hair and makeup just like, fuck it! Yep. Not doing this again! Yep, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it was fun. I had a blast on it. Yeah, we- weather's always the worst to have to try and film around, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in Utah, because, yeah, it can look perfect like it does right now, yeah. and within 10 minutes... It could be snowing, like, yeah. even even though it's August, we could get a snowstorm. Yeah, it's... Th- there was one when we were filming the job interview, where mm-hmm. we were like, eh, it's going to be overcast, we knew we had to shoot outside for the day, and we were like, it's good for our lighting, like, we don't have any issues. Yeah. And we got to a park that we were shooting at, and the wind had just picked up, and it was so cold, but we had to stick with continuity, and... Like, Johnny was just wearing a t-shirt for most of it. <laughs> and he was so cold, his nipples were just standing to attention. Just, like, the entire time. And so, like, in between takes, he's just sitting there just rubbing his chest. And then, like, we'd go to shoot again. And by the end of the take, he was just like, hey, guys! <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, and then trying to cover, like, we had, like, five shots left. Mm-hmm. And we had to get it that day. Right. And, like, it, like the rain all of a sudden just started coming. We were trying to cover the front of the lens. We were like... We can't get any water on it. And, oh, it was it was such yeah. a mess. Well, it was. I found it hilarious because we had had a production meeting the night before, and we were all looking at the weather and we're like, "It's gonna be hot. It's gonna be really hot tomorrow." And there's like a twenty percent chance of rain, and that quickly turned into a one hundred percent chance of rain. <laughs> yeah, I've ca- I've been caught in the rain quite a number of times. Uh, not this summer, but the summer before when I was doing Film Quest. We did it the weekend of Mother's Day weekend, and it was just torrential downpour that whole weekend, <laughs> oh, too. And we were outside up in, I think, right around Fairview filming, because it was kind of supposed to be like a fantasy-type film. Mm-hmm. And we were in the mud, down in the trenches and everything, and filming, like, the first night was from 7 p.m. until 5 o'clock in the morning, I think we left, and it rained on and off the whole time, and it was Jeez. freezing. And the next day, it was midnight till about 10 o'clock in the morning, and... And yeah, raining, they're that. brutal, but as long yeah. as you're with everybody having fun, like it's mm-hmm. it makes it worthwhile. Yeah, we've, Every, we've, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say when people like you can tell people are miserable, but they try to make the best yeah. of it, and that kind of helps you make the best of it as well, even though you're freezing cold. I remember <laughs> there was a point on Film Quest where I was just standing in the mud and I could not feel anything below my waist because it was just it was the just freezing so cold. cold rain and the wind. and a bunch of other people were like crowded together and like, come over here, come over here. I'm like, I can't move, you guys. I, <laughs> I'm stuck here. <laughs> you, ha- you're gonna have to come, come to me. To me. <laughs> but yeah, they're all like, we can't move either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, that sucks because you're in a sitting position. I'm at least in a standing yeah. position and can't feel my legs, so I don't care. <laughs> We've been cutting together some of Austin's reel over the last few months as he's been accumulating the footage. And there was one where he was just telling me, he's like, it, it was so brutal, like, mm-hmm. the cold. And it was the director's, like, first time. And so he didn't oh, have really? really any clue. Oh. And Austin was just, he was just miserable the entire time. And there's actually, Austin's missing a chunk of one of his toes. <gasps> because he got, like, a little bit of frostbite. Oh, my God. Because it was so cold. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, Austin, like, as he's showing, he's like, yeah, see this scene? Yeah. I'm missing a chunk of my toe because of this scene. <laughs> It's just like, oh, that's, uh, oh, man. it's always, and it's like, it's an indie project. Like, they yeah. don't, it's not SAG or anything, so there's no yeah. insurance on exactly. anybody. Exactly, yeah. And there's no guarantee that you're going to get yeah. paid on that or anything. Wow. Oh, hell, half of my signed contracts on, out, <laughs> like, out here I haven't been paid on, so. Yeah, I think that's, that's about mine. 
Yeah, yeah, I've started following up with people like over the last month and just hey, so that film we worked on mm-hmm. like a year ago. Yeah. You guys got the uh, money on that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like trying to track down footage for like unpaid yeah. projects and everything. I've given up on a lot of my earliest projects because there's no communicating. And I think that what happens is that sometimes people just lose steam and I really like I love editors and I think that what they do is amazing but I think that is definitely the part where yeah it just falls apart because editing I've worked in an editing room once when I was uh taking classes at slick and that's just it's it's so the worst tedious yeah yeah I like we edit all of our own stuff but that's just because we're super OCD and we mm-hmm. don't have the funds usually to pay an editor to come in right and so it's like yeah we'll sit there and when we did Beyond the Shadows, that took us, I mean, it's a five-minute film, and it took us a month to edit. Oh, wow. So, and at one point, we had it pretty much cut together. And we started watching it back, and Austin's like, what do you think about the placement of this clock? And both of us started like, I guess I could maybe move up in the sequence. And then we fucked up the entire oh, thing. Oh, no. We're just like, no, no. Luckily, we had an earlier, like, bit of it saved that that was like four hours of just like mm-hmm. trying to piece it back in because it was all set to uh music right and so like it had to like certain cuts had to hit certain beats <clears throat> of the song mm-hmm. and so that that's where all of a sudden we're like wait why is why is this not syncing up right why is this <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah i mean luckily that film turned out great and we won several awards on it but yeah it was a month to edit a five minute yeah. Five minute film. Mm-hmm. Granted, we have one that we shot like three months ago. It's literally a three minute scene, if that, mm-hmm. that we had completely done. And then when it exported, somehow one of the audio files, the gunshot in it is because we had to double up a lot of the audio. Mm-hmm. Somehow one of them is off. Oh, no. And so you would hear a. <laughs> and I, for the life me can't really even completely hear it Mm -hmm. and like i showed it to a bunch of people nobody mentioned it and then austin was like one of the gunshots is off and then i showed it to people again they're like oh yeah i didn't notice it but yeah it's off Mm -hmm. and so it's like i started going back i spent like three days yeah we still haven't yet to release that and that Mm -hmm. was three months ago because i'm not an editor and i don't have the time to always just sit there and just be like all right, where is this? It's awesome. And I ever saw it. I'm like, yeah, we need to get that, mm-hmm. that finished and put that up. And yeah, I think we'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's um, going on with the Mother Wounded short film I filmed at the beginning of the year is that we've got it all edited together, but the sound editing yeah. is just. And we've had people come on, and it's like it's nothing bitter or anything. They've just had other projects they've had to move on. Yeah, so exactly. I think we've gone through like maybe two or three sound editors already that were still. So hopefully next month. Yeah. And everybody has their own style and they come yeah. in and they're like, what was this person doing? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they do it this way? And yeah. Then they go back through and by then they have another project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, it never ends. Which is funny because for some reason, all of a sudden a lot of people think that I do sound. Mm-hmm. Because I sim- like I worked because on. Because there's like one picture of you holding yeah. a boom mic from pretty, a set. Pretty much. That is pretty much it. <laughs> And it was actually a film you and I both worked on together, but we're never on set together. Yeah. And it was when we worked on Take Me Out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I worked sound on that just simply because Watson and I are good friends. Mm-hmm. And so he, he had a feeling that their main sound guy was going to drop out. Mm-hmm. 
and he called me like three days after he had actually been on the podcast and was like, hey, so I mentioned to you I might need you for sound. I need you for sound. And so I was like, cool, like, yeah, I'll come work on this project. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, it was an amazing set to be on. It was so much fun. Yeah. But after that, all of a sudden, yeah, a couple pictures surfaced of me holding a boom pole. And so I get people that hit me up all the time. They're like, hey, so... I know you do sound, and I'm like, I'm not a sound no, guy. I, no, it was just, I just, I just held the mic. Yeah. That's it. That's all. It's like, I do understand it well, but mm-hmm. I'm not a sound guy. Like, it is the most boring thing in the entire world to me. Yeah. But yet I still get, it's like, I have my own boom equipment and stuff, but that's because we have to have our own equipment because we don't have <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tons exactly. of money to make films. And yeah. So yeah, it's, it's funny when I keep getting asked to run sound on things like I've, even, there's even an episode of you again that like last minute they were like uh can you come run sound so somehow on that i'm acted an episode collaborated on <laughs> writing on all of them and i'm also the sound guy in one episode nice. <laughs> it's like yeah you guys can leave that cut it off i don't need mm-hmm. the I don't need the credit don't for need all the sound that. credit mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. what other projects are you working on right now um right now i don't really have anything in particular I'm working on. I've been going on a lot of auditions, haven't been booking them, which is a very bittersweet. Yeah, it's the way it goes. Yeah, but I mean, I get it. Like there's there's an article on backstage.com that's like 39 reasons why you didn't get the part. Yeah. It's just like, they're all like the most minuscule of things that are completely out of your control. So, but I'm hoping, uh, we just posted the pilot for a web series. I... We are hoping to get up called Ghosted with oh, Murder nice. Reader. And so hopefully we'll be starting production on the next few episodes for that. Nice. I actually was an extra on You Again, their final episode a couple weeks ago. Is that in the bar scene that mm-hmm. they did? Yeah, I got to play a hipster, which was a lot of fun. See, and I, I, I am one of the main <laughs> hipsters in the in the hipster episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, have, they haven't released that one yet, have they? No, that one, so that one won't come out for another couple weeks, I don't think. Okay. So yeah, that that was one of those where as Andrea was writing it, I was going through the scripts with her and everything, and I'm going through that one and like I just kept reading one of the characters and I, this was before they had cast anybody other than her and uh, Zach, and I was just like, hey, can I play this hipster? <laughs> and she was just like, yeah, if you want to, and then I beefed up my lines a little and. <laughs> everyone does that's that's the perks of being a writer on the show is you can sometimes write yourself into the show yep that's the best part of it that that was a that's a fun set to be on who who was directing that episode um joshua french okay yeah he's also one of the producers yep yep I okay. just I I have I just became friends with like three different Joshuas on my Facebook and two of them have JF initials so I'm just like I don't want to say the wrong one. Say, but yeah, it was Joshua French and he's he was great. He did a really great job yeah. and Mario was there and I've worked with him on a couple of projects and kind of been at a couple of things outside of the film world with him yeah. and everything. He's a great guy to work with. The director that blew me away the most with that was Ben Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So it's like I knew that like I've heard people just rave about Ben's acting classes and stuff and being able to uh, just be on set and watch Ben work with mm-hmm. them and the way that he would direct them in between scenes even and the way that he'd get in their heads even even as we were taking breaks to like reset and I was just like man this guy is good mm-hmm. like he was he was really fun to to watch and I'm yeah I get why you teach acting and stuff yeah. now like he he was really good he was. He was, yeah, definitely my favorite, too. Yeah, I would love to take an acting class with him. I've heard so many good things yeah. about him. 
Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He he would definitely be worthwhile to take his mm-hmm. to take his acting class. So nice. see, seeing how he was able to get into their heads within a matter of seconds, I was just like, "You are a Jedi, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was something else. So awesome. that's awesome. So I think you and I first met. I think it was about two years ago or so, and it was super brief. Mm-hmm. It was at Broadway Media, if I remember right. You were doing a photo shoot with Walter who had been our director of photography on several projects mm-hmm. and he was coming to pick up an SD card from me. That's right. He was, yeah, he was helping me out with a video yeah. audition. That's yeah. He was, was coming to pick up an SD card. And I remember he had mentioned, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm with Quincy Staker. And I was like, I don't know if I know Quincy. And he's like, I'll introduce you in just a minute. <laughs> and I just, I just remember it was super quick. And she's like, here's the SD card. This is Quincy. And she's like, hi, hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember that. He's like, I got to run down and get an SD card. Do, do you want to come with me? I was like, okay that's yeah sure why not i i don't have anywhere to go so yeah yeah it was at that point i mean walter and i used to see each other plenty mm-hmm. and then yeah at that point it was i was living clear the hell down here he's all the way downtown mm-hmm. and so it was just like we never saw each other unless i was at the studio or something downtown and then it was just like all right can we meet up to, is this going to work and <laughs> so yeah it was, it was such a spur of the moment thing but yeah, yeah that's I was thinking back on it. I was like, when did I first meet Quincy? And it's like, it was when she was randomly in the car on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was a wonderful experience. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I love Walter. I like. I haven't. I ran into him at an audition a couple weeks ago, and that was the first time I think I'd seen him in almost a year. Oh wow. Yeah, but he's been keeping busy. So. Yeah, I, I see. I see from Facebook and stuff. He keeps busy. The last I saw him was, I think yeah, it was back in March on the set of Mosaic. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. was, he he was up there the day that I was filming as well, and that was probably the first time I had seen him in several months. And yeah, yeah. So that, it, it's always fun to see him. He he he's always been great to work with. Mm-hmm. So we started. We nicknamed him the Golden Goose <laughs> because we. Uh, it was it was more of one of those just exclamations. We were he was our director of photography and acted in a music video that we shot for Clawson. Mm-hmm. a few years ago and we needed we realized that we needed some footage to cut to right and we needed walter in those particular spots we're like shit we didn't shoot enough of walter mm-hmm. so we don't know if there's actually and he just so happened in those moments to like pause long enough <laughs> and then like shift and by like the third one i just yelled out walter you golden goose <laughs> and that just became his nickname after that so we just just always referred to him as the golden goose. But That's if you go awesome. back and watch that music video, none of that was supposed to have been in the video. Right. Walter just kept responding to what Casey was doing. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened we got it and that was what we needed. And it was just, it's like 10 seconds worth of footage. But if we didn't have that, that video would be totally different. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I think I met, I actually met Walter through Watson on The Relentless Dead, a zombie okay. film that he did a few years ago. Yeah. He bandaged up my foot because on the last day of filming, we were up at Brighton Canyon and it was like the opening scene and we were all running from the zombies and my character is like in a nice dress, which I will never forgive Watson for in the dead of winter, putting me in a dress in the middle of the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> and I had on these 
um, I wore flat shoes thinking like they'll be easier to run in and no, they were not easier to run in. And the shot is actually in the film where I trip and fall out of my shoe and like drag my foot across the gravel and just like cut my oh, foot up. Geez. And Walter like came over and carried me over to his car and like fixed my foot and everything like that. I was like, you're so sweet. And so I called him medic for that whole day. <laughs> I'd be like, medic, I need help. No, but he's a sweetheart. I love so you him. you were dedicated though to the scene. I was, it was a zombie film. I kept running. <laughs> I I did like I saw my shoe and I was like oh shit and like you get that in there. And I don't think they were going for like a really heavy yeah. curse word type of film or anything like that. But I just kept running with um, Walter and Arthur Kent. They were all in my scene. And we just kept running down to the swamp area that I then had to fall down in and get eaten by zombies. <laughs> so. <laughs> That was a fun day. It was a cold day. <laughs> I, I absolutely love working with Arthur and, and Watson. Mm -hmm. So Arthur actually was the uh, DP on the scene that Austin and I shot that we still haven't put up. Mm -hmm. So nice. yeah, he was he was a lot of fun Wor working on um, Take Me Out. There were some of those where it was like I was the sound guy, but I was also a grip mm -hmm. throughout half of the shots. And so there, there was times when it was just me and Arthur sitting in the back of the car while, mm -hmm. while it's going. We're just like, are we getting this shot? Is the light right? <laughs> Those those guys are a lot of fun. To they work are. With. I love working with them. Uh, and they always have such fun ideas. Yeah, they to do. Go with and yeah. So the, Watson and I were actually writing a sketch show mm -hmm. um, for Off the Cuff a while back, mm -hmm. and then at the same time, um, the web show that he did, uh, the Sunny Side Up. So yeah, Funny Side Up. Funny Side Up. Yeah. yeah. Um, at the same time that got picked up, mm -hmm. and so he was. Just like so, I have to work on this right now, and then like that took long enough to film and get put out, and then he moved to, to Los Angeles, yeah. and so it was just like, oh, okay. So we have this awesome sketch show that maybe it'll see the light of day at some point, but that'd be fun. Yeah, hope hopefully with something down in LA, I'll actually be seeing Watson in three weeks. Oh, cool! So I'll be back down in LA doing some shows down there, and I was just like. Yeah, I like that more and more and more people are there. So whenever mm -hmm. I'm down there working, like, it's, it's all of my friends and family now. And mm -hmm. it's like, all right, like, this is a, this is getting a little bit more home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's always nice. Yeah, it, it makes it nice. So now, how, how long have you been acting? Um, pretty much my whole life. I did plays all throughout, like, grade school and middle school and everything. And then I started doing film shortly after I graduated high school. Because... Nice. My parents, my dad was a musician and he kind of knew the business and everything and he was very wary of me like actually getting an agent and everything yeah. and being a child star. So my mom was always just like, once you turn 18, you can do whatever the hell you want. So it was like, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, once I was done with school, I went out and scouted, scouted out a few agencies, got signed with Riveted, which is sadly no longer here anymore. But Sean was a great first agent to work with, taught me a lot and yeah. Things have picked up in the last few years. I took a year off when I was about 20, 21 just to train. Mm. And I trained with Frank Garish while he was still uh, living here. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that I think that did me a lot of good because I think when I first started, I was kind of in way over my yeah. head and was just like, I'm going to be a star because that's really how I was. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go out and it's just everything's going to take off and it's going to be great. And then it, you know. Nobody, yeah. nobody really tells you when you're a kid dreaming of the things how hard it actually is yeah. in show business and like what. And what's funny is those that do tell you how hard it is usually don't really know. They just 
want to tell you that it's shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like there's, there's very few people when you're trying to navigate it all that can really, right off the bat, unless you start making those friends that are already doing it, they can be like, oh, watch out for this, watch out for that. Yeah. And yeah, it's definitely, I mean, l- luckily I, I had the music background too before I got into anything mm-hmm. film-wise, so it's like I knew some of it, but then I was the same way when I kind of got, in, got into it, I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like, the first agent I signed with sent me on an audition four days after signing. Oh, really? And it was for a decent role in an ABC Family film. Mm-hmm. I had never auditioned. I had no clue what the fuck was about to happen to me. They were a very conservative talent agency. Right. And edited parts of the script... And so it threw me during that, my audition when the character actually swore. And I was like, uh, wh- what? Oh, you, you want me to yeah. say this? <laughs> That's okay? Well, it was them swearing at me. Oh. I, the way they had edited the script, it looked like I was cutting them off. Right. And so then I started stepping on other actors' lines. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is just, it was it was a mess. Yeah. But nobody nobody tells you that, Mm-mm. yeah, this is, this is what you have to do. And... Yeah. But granted, even once you're in and going, there's no blueprint. You just have to... You kind of have to find your own yeah. way after that. Yeah, and it's... You just have to you have to recognize, like, where those pitfalls are and mm-hmm. how many agents are really a scam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, we... which, which anybody listening, if somebody says, pay me this much to be your agent, it's a scam. Don't do it. I laugh every time I see the news stories and people are like, we paid $1,500 and this agency just disappeared. I'm like, good, you deserve to get ripped off because you're stupid. Yeah, or it's like, if they tell you, if they sign you and they tell you, like, you have to take our classes, you have to get new headshots, and you have to use our photographers and, like, they charge you $800 for the classes and then $500 for the headshots and... Yeah. All that stuff, just run away. Run, run. run away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's too many like that, and then it gives people a bad taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. and It kind of leaves you jaded a little bit. Yeah. Just like, well, if this person fucking ripped me off, then who else is going to do exactly. that to me? Yeah, it, 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 it can be a little scary when you first, mm-hmm. first get into it. Yeah, I would highly, like, if anybody ever asked me what's the first thing I'd do, I'd be like, no, read into the business just get an idea of what, yeah. what it's all about and what it entails. I mean, you're going to, like you said, you're going to create your own blueprint anyways. Yeah. But just go in with a, I guess, more of a open knowledge of what's going on. Yeah, it's it's one of those industries that you can go to film school, you can take acting. Mm-hmm. They're not going to prepare you for the business of it. No. That's the thing that a lot of them, like e- even when I was in film school, a lot, like they're wasn't a class for producing. Yeah. There was nothing to teach me the business side of it. Mm-hmm. We had to just buy books and figure it out on our own. Yep. Which quickly taught us we weren't producers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I've worked, I've worked with so many um, students, recent graduates from like the U and Slick and UVU, and they get on a film set and it's like, we've never actually worked on an actual set outside the classroom. Because in the yeah. classroom, it's mostly like a lot of them are just like lecture type of classes and everything like that so sometimes when these kids get out on a film set they don't know what they're doing despite their bachelor's degree in the film yeah and and that's like when we shot the job interview it's like it 
nowhere to be found anymore. We pulled them all down because we looked at where we're at now, mm-hmm. opposed to what that was. And we're like, oh, this is, I mean, it was great for what we had. Yeah. But now we're like, no, that. We don't want anyone no, to No, we're actually this. going to reshoot the pilot. I've rewritten the pilot altogether, and we're going to reshoot it so that we can shop it. Awesome. But it, uh, if we hadn't done that, I don't think we would have learned as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with film school because yeah we had no clue yeah what we were doing we had a funny idea and we're just like let's let's make this mm-hmm. and yeah it was it was trial by fire like we had to learn all sorts of things in editing that I was never going to learn and yeah and and if I also would have known that everything that I would have done on film school I could have just pulled up on YouTube mm-hmm. I would have saved a lot of money yeah that's probably that's why I stopped going to school because I was just like I've learned more. Actually, I mean, I in no way, like, want to, what's the word I'm looking for, dissuade anyone from going to school and getting an education, because I think that's great, but you can really learn just as much, if not more, just going out and getting on a film set as you can. Yeah, if you want to be a doctor, yes, go to school. Yes, please, please (laughs) do, for my, for my comfort, (laughs) please do. But but if you want to go into film, yeah, I would say, I mean, both of us have learned that it's... Mm-hmm. You're going to learn ten times more. I think Brent Geisler, when he was on the podcast, said it best. He's like, I looked at it and I realized I could pay a couple thousand dollars a semester, mm-hmm. or I could get paid a couple dollar, couple thousand dollars a semester mm-hmm. to be on set and learning instead of yeah. sitting in the classroom trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And it's like he's made a huge career because of that. Because yeah, he, he managed just to start as a PA and work his way up. It's like, if I would have realized even, like, I had to laugh. John, John Mulaney was just in town this last mm-hmm. week. And he has a bit during his set about uh, how school cost him $120,000. And he's like, for what? Yeah. It's like, yeah, he has his English degree. But it's like, even though, like, he's written for Saturday Night Live and all of that, a lot of that came about because he became an intern at Comedy Central and yeah. worked his way up this, through some that of that. absolutely nothing to do with yeah. his degree. It's like, with me, if. If I would have known, I could have gone to Second City. Mm-hmm. It's like everything that's happening for me now is because of Second City. Mm-hmm. It's like my entire Second City tuition cost a tenth of all of my college. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool, now I have student loans I get to pay with entertainment money. I, I, I heard Rami Malik on Fallon a couple weeks ago. And Fallon was like, well, you know, you, your career takes off. You know, what was the first thing you bought? It's like a student loan. <laughs> and I was like, bravo. bravo. Like that's, yeah. That is the answer that mm-hmm. sadly more of us yeah. have to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I can't imagine paying that much. People, yeah. have been, people have been pressuring me to go to school since I graduated high school. Because I, I went to school. I had been out of high school for about four years, I think, before I finally was just like, yeah, maybe I should go back. And then I got there. I'm just like, what is this? Well, look at this money that I'm paying yeah. to just like, and this was just my first semester when I had to, and you have to take general ed classes, which is basically just repeating high yeah, school repeating over high school again. over again. And it's just like, this is just such bullshit and I yeah. don't want to do this. I just want to learn about film and I want to make movies and that's all I want to yeah, do. And that's what, that's what it should be. We had, uh, one of the years when I was producing, um, radio from hell shows up at Sundance, mm-hmm. we had Greg Whiteley on. Um, he's the one who, he's directed the, uh, he directed New York Doll, 
mm-hmm. um, that came out years ago. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The Mitt Romney a... documentary that, despite your feelings on Mitt Romney, I personally don't like the guy. Mm-hmm. But the documentary was great. Yeah. And, like, Greg, just, he makes fantastic documentaries. And he had, I can't remember the name of it. I'm spacing the name of it now. But it was about, let me pull that up. But it was about uh, how the education system in the country has not uh, has not changed basically since one rule one room schoolhouses. Right. And and he's, they've started testing out a lot of different uh, a lot of different ways that um, they could you know more alternative learning, and kids have done better. Graduation right. rates have gone up because mm-hmm. they're not having to repeat the same. Same bullshit they yeah. always did. I think this is it. Most likely, yeah, most likely to succeed is I've what it was called. It. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's absolutely fantastic. But it's it's crazy to see, you know, the the way that you know we've had to learn that the hard way of going to school and going, what the hell is my money going mm-hmm. towards? Why am I paying this? And yeah, yeah, that's it was fascinating to see a documentary kind of take that stance of, mm-hmm. yeah, why are we making these guys go through and do general ed all over again? It's just, it's exactly what they just did in high school. Yeah. And it's, it's just like, I don't want to do this. I think I saw a meme on Facebook the other day that makes a very good point. And it's like the older people who are always lecturing the younger people and like, you need to go to school. And when they're like, well, I can't afford it. Like, oh, well we did it by hard work and everything. And like, yeah, that was when tuition was like $7,000 a year. Yeah. For college, whereas now it's like I think for the Tisch Art School in New York, it's like forty five thousand dollars just yeah, like a, a semester. semester. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just like you can't do that anymore. You can't just like go to school and have a day job and be a okay on all of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure back then, like that kind of seemed like a struggle. But even then, it's just like yeah. like my brother. He just started dental school at the University of Colorado, and. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's what he does now. Like, he can't afford to have a regular job because, yeah, he has to be, he has to be uh, studying all the time. Yep. And his classes consume a ton of it. E- even while I was in film school, there were certain classes that were only taught one day. Yeah. And I was like, I, and they would be, I, I, they'll I, be like three-hour classes yeah. too. Yeah. And at the time, I had a day job, and so it was like. I have to go to work. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure, now I can do it, but yeah, I've made a career doing stuff outside of having to worry about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, well, I know Frank Garish, when I was taking classes from him, he was always trying to encourage me. He's like, come take my film classes. They're during the day, and they go from this time. It's just like, I have a day job because I, yeah. I have a car payment, and I have rent that I have to pay and bills that I have to pay, and I can't really afford to spend three hours a day in school and forking out more money for yeah. that. I mean, my my sister, she got on Pell Grants, which was great. And I think that I can't even imagine if she hadn't been able to get on that system. Or And she, even then, she was like, she was an RA, so she was working that. And she was working at another job in school. And Jeez. I don't know. I don't know how she still managed to have a social <laughs> life and meet her husband and make that relationship work and everything like She's that. just like, you just need to take a job where I'm working. We'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll have fun. It'll be great. Like, so we'll how long have you guys other. been dating? I don't know. How long have you worked here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there there, there was plenty of, of things like that for me, too, where it was just like, I, I've, I've even considered just trying to finish up my political science degree mm-hmm. because I've taken all the political science side of stuff. It's like a couple of math classes, but I just can't justify to myself. I was like, those two math classes are $1,000. Yeah. 
I was like, I don't have a grand to just throw at two math classes I don't need. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I even want to finish the political science degree, it's not like there's anything you can do with a political science yeah. degree. It was a minor when I was going to business school. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the only reason I wanted at this point is so when, it's like I write a lot of political satire. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to be like, hey, I also have a degree in political science. So it's not like I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Yeah, I was... I was also considering, I wanted to do, like, a journalism, a communications yeah. major and an English major, and I would tell people that, like, even my friends were like, I don't mean this to be rude, but I'm going to ask you this question. What are you going to do with that degree? Like, this is what you need to yeah. ask yourself before you go to school. And as, like, hard as that is to hear, that is kind of what you have to do, but I don't know. I don't think, I would like, I would rather go to college and pay money for subjects that I want to take and something that I want to learn than Yeah, go it's going to gonna benefit you. Yeah, then go to college and major in a degree just because it's going to make me a lot of money Yeah. in the end. When I was, years and years ago, I was managing for one of the, some retail stores for one of the major sports teams out here. And we had, it was the big rivalry weekend uh, for the University of Utah and BYU. Mm -hmm. And we had the news coming in to talk to fans of both, (laughs) both teams. And the guy that was in, like the news invited some face painters to come in and stuff so the fans could get all decked out. The guy gets there and he starts painting faces and he's just a cocky motherfucker. Oh God. And I was just like, dude, you paint faces. Like that's all that's going through my head. <laughs> and finally he's like, yeah, I'm a BYU guy. Went to school there, got my degree in German literature. <laughs> and I couldn't, without even thinking, like my mouth is open and I was like, and now you paint faces for a living. And everybody, like, all of my employees just, just, like, turned and looked at me. And I was just like, oops. And it was just, like, kind of one of those moments where I was just like, ah, exit. No. And no. I just needed the trap door to pull so yeah. I could just drop down. <laughs> but that doesn't it seem like that's always how it is. Like, the people that majored, I'm sorry, that major in, like, the most obscure, stupid shit are always the ones that have the biggest attitude yeah. over it. And it's like, and what are you doing with that degree? Yeah, it's... And, and in, in Utah, I think it's funny because, like, kids will go on, on Mormon missions and they'll come home and they're like, I was in Latin America. I should get a degree in Latin American studies. Yeah. And it's like, why? Are you, are you planning on going back to are Latin you, are you America to go one back day? And be a, being a tour guide, maybe? Yeah. Like, what, what are you going to do with that? Te- teach English to the, to the children there or something? Yeah. 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 I, I never understood that mindset of I can speak that language. I should dedicate my life to yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I don't get that either. It's like no. Yeah, just it's think of your future, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think they are. I think half of them are like I met this girl in Mexico, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go back for her. But she said I needed to understand her culture, <laughs> so I'm going to go to college for it <laughs> for four years. Yeah, for four years and. Then she's going to marry somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and I bastards. can work at TaylorMade and paint faces <laughs> for a living. Yes. <laughs> oh, poor bastards. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now you said that you, you know, kind of have done acting throughout your entire life. Mm-hmm. Do you remember like the first time you were on stage as a kid where you kind of got that acting bug? 
Um, not where I got the acting bug. I do remember the first time that I was on stage. It was actually when I was in kindergarten, but it was something for the preschool that I would go, the daycare I would go to in the afternoon after school. My mom was at work and we had, they had like a little musical recital and my group had to sing Do Re Mi and I was great <laughs> in that. So, and I remember, I remember that was when I learned to project because the, um, the teacher and the woman who would play the piano, she would. And she was not like she wasn't brutal, but she would not. She'd be like, "You need to be loud. You need to be loud so that they can hear you." And I remember, like, like, "I'm five. <laughs> I really was. I remember going to the bathroom, like, "I'm just a kid. I don't know how to do this." But that was actually a very, very valuable lesson, and I'm really grateful for that because it did teach me to make myself louder on stage because you're not always yeah. going to have a microphone, or sometimes that microphone is going to fail you, and you need to make sure that. You can still get your voice out there. See, I, w- I would have been that sadistic five-year-old that would have been like, I kind of want to call out today since I'm Ray because it's going to fuck up the whole thing. And they're just going to be like, do me. <laughs> that that would have been hilarious. It would have. It would have been great. <laughs> like, I'll teach her to yell at me. <laughs> yeah, I remember going home and crying to my mom. And she's like, she keeps yelling at me because I'm not loud enough. And I don't know. I don't want to go do it anymore. And my mom's just like, no be great you know and because i had already decided at that point that i wanted to be an actor and make movies and she's like no it'll be good it'll be a good experience and you'll love it you'll get to be up on stage and so i think my mom had like went in and had a talk with the teacher and was like you need to stop yelling at her because it's really destroying her (laughs) confidence right now she's like but she is right she's the second one they need to know (laughs) exactly (laughs) so yeah but that was a great i love that i remember that that whole event, like, learning it every day, rehearsals every single day, and then finally getting up to the performance and everything. Yeah, that was an exciting moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I remember around that same age, I think I was a couple years older. So, yeah, I was. I was my fourth grade, my fourth grade program. and Everybody always looked forward to this. Mm-hmm. My school put on this just huge program. They had, like, a lot of, like, pop songs, too. So it wasn't just, like, you know singing like there's a hole in the bucket or how much is that dog in the window it was nothing like that like i remember like learning neil diamond songs and stuff mm-hmm. for it but then they got down to it and they were like everybody has to wear makeup including all the boys you need to be in lipstick and i was like fuck this <laughs> like i i was nine years old and i was like not a chance that's not happening and they took my part away because i refused to oh, wear no. makeup and my dad being an attorney <laughs> went back to the school and was just like yeah so you're not gonna take his part away he earned his part Mm -hmm. and just because he doesn't want to wear lipstick he's nine years old Mm -hmm. and he's a boy and he's a boy still leaves in cooties he's he's not going to wear lipstick (laughs) and like the next day i still don't even know the like gist of the whole thing Mm -hmm. i just remember the teacher i had a like a little green irish hat that i wore during it Mm-hmm. And the teacher brought brought it back to me. She's like, you have your part back. And that was it. And I guess, to my understanding, like there were two of the teachers that were part of this that were just horrible. Everybody, kids would cry when they found out the next year they got these two teachers. Aww. And my dad made this, like both of them, like they had to sign this paper and like take it down to the principal. Like he had all these, I still don't know what was in it, mm-hmm. but he broke those two teachers for good. And I will never know. All I remember is I got my part back. (laughs) (laughs) 
Man. So maybe your mom did the same thing. Maybe she, just, she did. She just yeah. laid it down on that teacher forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't put it past her. My, I come from a very hot-blooded family, so <laughs> that, that would not surprise me at all if she did something like that. Yeah. Do you have a favorite role from, from your childhood that you remember playing? Oh, from my childhood? Like, anywhere from high school? Any, any, anywhere on up before the whole film. Huh. Let's see. One of the roles that I remember the most um, was actually in first grade. It was my second play, and we did the tiger and the rabbit, and it was kind kind of like a, almost like a tortoise and the hare type of story, but I yeah. played a mouse in that, and we had to make our own costumes and everything. That was really fun. That was adorable. <laughs> I think we still have it on, v- on a VHS tape somewhere. Um, so there is that, and... My senior year, I got a lead. We we would we did um, like the region theater competitions mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I was I got the lead role in the one act play that we had to do called Haiku with two of my best friends. And I played the mom, and they were my daughters. And that was a really great experience. I love that. I think that was actually one of my first role out of all of high school. My first lead role out of high school because I'm not very musically inclined, so I never got the leads in musicals yeah. at all. <laughs> So, and then high school, I actually started enjoying being behind the scenes a lot more. So I did stage managing a lot. Okay. Yeah. My favorite one with stage managing was Wait Until Dark. Um, That's really, there's a movie with Audrey Hepburn and Alan Arkin from like the 60s. And it's about this blind woman who like, somehow, I can't quite remember how, but she runs across this group of drug dealers who are trying to get a doll back that they hid their drugs in and it somehow got into the possession of her husband. And so they've got it in the house and her husband goes out of town and then it's about these three guys trying to get the doll back and they're just like terrorizing I feel her. like I need to see this now because yeah. I, as you're explaining it, I swear that like Family Guy has referenced this. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's always something in Philadelphia has referenced this. <laughs> yeah, I... I'm going to need to go and watch that now because I don't think I've ever it's, seen that. But I, yeah. what you're talking about, yeah, I swear, like half of pop culture has referenced that mm-hmm. movie. It's a great, it's a great play. I love it. It's it's so good. It's so dark, and there it's actually really intense because there's like a moment towards the end. I won't spoil everything, but in order to get the upper hand on the villain, she like breaks every single light in their ha- in her house. Jeez. So like they're in the darkness too. So like the, since she can't see anything, why should they be able to? And yeah, it's intense, but it was a lot of fun. That sounds cool. I'll yeah. definitely have to check that out. Yeah. That'd be a fun play to even see. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't get really into plays and stuff until maybe five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was in I was in a few plays when I was younger. Like, in, when I was in sixth grade going into the teacher I wanted, I would begged my parents to get me into her class because she did, she put on her own melodrama. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't, like, a sixth grade thing, thing or anything. It was her classes. And it was always, like, the production value was actually really good for sixth graders. Right. And, like, we ended up touring it around the state. Nice. And it was it was a lot of fun, I remember. I was a greaser. So awesome. that was our, Ours was, like, a, a 60s style one. But I, I remember trying to get into to those just because I wanted to be able to. But I was also so much of a screw-off at the same time mm-hmm. that it was like I was never going to have the main role. Yeah. So I was going to be the person that had to make a joke and then the what the thing the sixth grade did, they each class did a Macbeth play. Mm-hmm. And our class uh, did Macbeth 
and there wasn't a chance in hell I was going to get one of those main roles. So I was the jester. <laughs> <laughs> and all these years later, I'm like, I see why now. That teacher was wise. Mm-hmm. She, she, she knew what was, what was happening there. Yeah. <laughs> we did Shakespeare competitions every year in high school. We would go down to Cedar City and perform. And I remember one year I got cast in a scene from Antony and Cleopatra. And, you know, you have oh, nice. my friend Megan who's beautiful, has long black hair, can totally play the part. She was Cleopatra. And then Nicole, who also has black hair and was one of the maids. And then me, the redhead. I'm just like, I don't think this is right. (laughs) (laughs) And the teacher's like, we're going to cover up your hair. You'll be fine. (laughs) They'll totally buy you off as an Egyptian. (laughs) A very, very pasty Irish Egyptian. (laughs) It'll be great. But it was fun, yeah. I always wanted to go down to the to the Shakespeare Festival down it's there. It's so much fun. I love it. I wish I haven't been back. I think since high school, so I'd love to go back down there. But they don't even do like all Shakespeare stuff at some of the playhouses. They have different plays. Yeah, it's almost kind of become from what I've seen people mm-hmm. post. It's almost more like a French festival now yep. than it is mm-hmm. just a Shakespearean festival. Yeah. I remember when we went down there, I think my senior year, they did a production. And they have, like, kind of almost a replica of the Globe Theater oh, that wow. Shakespeare did. And it's so cool. And you just like walk in there, and there's a stage, and there's, like, the top layer and the bottom layer. And it's an open roof one, too, which kind of like kind of sucks in the fall, but it's still really yeah. fun. And they did a production of Henry V. And the way that they did it was, like, they had four different actors playing Henry V, like, different parts of him and they even had women playing him which i thought was really cool and they did one scene that was like completely in french and then for the battle scenes they had like this really beautiful choreographed dance for it it was really awesome so it's really interesting to see like just the different interpretations that everybody does for the plays down there i'm going to london next year and i cannot wait to go kind of explore Mm -hmm. uh, shakespeare's birthplace be able to see the globe theater and Mm -hmm. I, I, I was just like, I'm going to need like an entire day just for this just for because that. Yeah. I'm just going to walk around probably just in a complete and utter mess. Just like, look, do you see that? Like, that's that. <laughs> this is where they even performed. That. That's so. where Romeo and Juliet was first put on. <laughs> and then it's like the next day I'm, I'm literally getting on the train and going all the way to Cardiff just so I can go to the Doctor Who exhibit. And it'll probably be the, <laughs> it'll probably be the same mess all over again. So like, there's another TARDIS. It's right. The TARDIS that you live in. People are going to be like, this guy's a mess. Like, he's just cried for two days now. What is the matter with this man? <laughs> so now, with all the acting and everything that you've done and all the filmmaking, it ended up kind of parlaying into you being part of uh, and moving words we trust. Mm-hmm. So how did that all kind of come about? I remember Christopher kind of talking to me about it. Mm-hmm. As he was trying to build it up, he was asking for my advice on how, how the hell do I start a podcast? How do I... And then it was just like, I, I want to co-host. And he's like, but I don't know who. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, um, he put out um, a post on the Utah Filmmakers page. And one of my friends actually tagged me in it. And I think, I can't remember if Christopher reached out to me or I reached out to him. But we talked for like a whole day just on the movies that we liked and what we were interested, the new movies that came out that we hated and everything. And I think within like the next couple of days, we had set up kind of like an audition type of thing to see what our repertoire was like and everything like that. And been going good. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, what was it like recording that for that first episode? Cause you hadn't done anything Mm-mm. podcast wise or anything. No. Um, it was, it was really interesting cause I don't think I really knew 
I knew it kind of had to be something like the setup for a radio show, and I remember mm-hmm. kind of seeing that in high school when, like, for their radio shows and everything like that. But, yeah, it was, I don't know. That's kind of a hard question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I wasn't that nervous. I guess I'm kind of used to talking about movies. That's what I love yeah. doing. So that, that comes easily for me. <laughs> So what, were there any podcasts that you had been listening to previous where you kind of ha- had a favorite that you were kind of emulating off of or was podcasting still kind of like a whole new world? It was a point? whole new world to me. And I, I don't listen to very many still, but yeah, I've definitely got into them. I listen to Anna Ferris's yeah, hers is podcast, which I love. I absolutely love. I listen to Serial a lot, which is... Great. See, I'm yet to listen to Serial. Everybody keeps telling me that I need to listen to it, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, I listened to too many already. Yeah. So I, I don't know how to f- squeeze it in there. Mm-hmm. So then I got sucked into that Howl app. Oh, So really? that, like, I, I heard uh, Mark, Mark Maron always mentioning that you get his full catalog on there. It's just like, I'm not going to pay extra just to get an app for mm-hmm. it. But then we had Rob Kuttner on for the live show. His miniseries, Runaway Brains, is on, mm-hmm. is on Howl. I was like, all right, well, you get a free month trial, whatever. I'm going to, I'll download it for the free month. And now I'm paying for it regularly because <laughs> it's so awesome. Because there's so many podcasts on there that mm-hmm. I can just burn through, like, yeah, all of WTF's back catalog. And there's yeah. a bunch of comedy bang bang that I've never been able to find. And I was just like, all right, here we go. We're now paying extra for this. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I kind of started listening to podcasts. I had listened to, I think it's called Goblins. Um, it's the one that um, Jimmy Chunga from 1019 The End started after 1019 The End. His paranormal ended. one? Um, I think so, yeah. So, I, funny story with Jimmy Chunga. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with radio mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Like, overly obsessed than what, like, literally five-year-olds should be. Granted, I had a strange, like... Most five-year-olds also weren't watching A Living Color and being raised on that. Right. And that wasn't my parents' intention, I was just an only child at the time before my brothers came along, mm-hmm. and I was in the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I grew up on a lot of good stuff. Right. But radio, my mom was actually uh, Tom Barberry, who was a Utah legend. I don't know how well he's known outside of the state, mm-hmm. but broadcasting legend. I hear my mom was his intern when I was quite literally like two years, three years old. So it's like I literally grew up in radio studios. Right, right. And then oddly enough, years later, of course, as I went on to intern and stuff and work with Radio From Hell, Tom Barberry, Gina Barberry, is Tom's daughter. Oh, nice. So as my mom was his intern, I ended up being her intern. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, it was something that I was just always so obsessed with where I was that kid that would call into radio shows mm. to, like, try and win things. And so when I was a... A good honorable boy scout i wanted my communications merit badge mm-hmm. i was like fuck this i'm not just going through the handbook i want a better experience so when 107.5 was like the big thing yeah i went in and job shadowed their entire morning show one day mm-hmm. and met chunga for the first time doing that and then years and years later it uh it became a weird thing when i was managing another retail store and he regularly was shopping from me mm-hmm and I was like, I came in on your radio show all these years later. And it was kind of funny to kind of spark that 
friendship back up right from when i was just a kid so that's the only reason i even know the podcast you're talking about is i had a weird obsession and kind of grew up with chunga also because my parents didn't want me listening to radio from hell mm-hmm. but i still did right <laughs> that's awesome but that's that's yeah i never really listened to that podcast but i was familiar with mm-hmm. with what it was right i kind of i don't listen to it as much as i probably should i kind of started listening to it because because the end went off the air yeah. and everything. And that was what I listened to every single morning on my way to work. And I was so devastated when I went to work one day and it was on and everything was good. And then I came out that afternoon and all of a sudden 1019 was not 1019 the end anymore. I think it was when they had them as the classic, as a classic Yeah, just the call station. numbers just randomly or the yeah. signal just randomly changed. Yeah, and I was just like, well, what happened? I'm like, maybe, maybe it's maybe it's just an issue they're having. And yeah. so I came back on Monday and they weren't on and I was just like, this is the darkest day of my radio life. <laughs> <laughs> what am I supposed to do on the way to work now? It, it really was like a flip of the switch. It was mm-hmm. just like... Because I, I know Kenny, who did the movie reviews on their show, wrote an article on his blog and he was just like, they didn't really have any idea that that was happening. They just kind of came in and been like, okay, your cutoff time, that's that's it. We're calling it good and everything because, as he put it, he's like, you know, if they had to make an announcement for it, ratings would go up and then they wouldn't really be justified in canceling the show. And so why yeah. would they want to do that when they're, when Sirius's main goal is to make money off of their radio stations and everything? So that kind of sucked. Yeah, that's... That, it, it, it was, I mean, at that <clears throat> point, I wasn't listening to them at all anymore. I was... Mm-hmm. I was very dedicated to my radio from hell. Right. <laughs> Listening, but no, I, I still remember how strange it was that all of a sudden it was just like, it's gone. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, that, uh, so that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and it, this had happened one, once before because they were 107.9. And they, they were 107.5. Five. five. Yeah, it was 107.5. Five. And then they, it got, 101.9 it was like a stronger signal. Mm-hmm. So they brought it down to that, which is why Mix is now, like, they're no longer 107.9. They're 105.1 because it was a stronger signal. Right. So that, that's, yeah, but that that was still kind of like, all right, yeah, we're no longer 107.5, we're 101.9 now. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that one was very abrupt Yeah. Well, well. And they, I think they had even taken them off the air for, like, a year, and then people were complaining, like, what happened to yeah. this show? What happened to the stations? They're like, all right, we'll bring you back. And then <laughs> they were back for a few years. And then I guess Sirius just didn't want to really put the money out for the yeah. show, which sucks because it was a great show. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely fun. I mean, it it sparked a lot for me as a kid listening mm-hmm. to them mm-hmm. all, all throughout my childhood. <laughs> yep. So with, with in Movie Nerds We Trust, is there a particular genre that you usually look forward to? Um. Not really, no. I like, I like movies of all different types of genres. I think, usually, depending on the movie that it is, that's when I get really excited. If they're movies that I don't know, it's just like I don't know what I'm gonna say about this, and then I have to hurry and watch <laughs> it, and I'm still just like I still don't know what I'm gonna say about yeah. this because I haven't watched it religiously as I've watched everything. So yeah, and, and a lot of the times the guests coming on, they're like a diehard on those movies. Yeah. And so yeah, sometimes it does kind of throw you for a little bit, where it's just mm-hmm. like. Like, even, like, one of the last ones I had guest hosted, um, it was, like, Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. American Beauty, and The Dark Knight. And it was... That's a random assortment. I can't remember how Christopher titled it. That was just what Austin had picked. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it was, yeah, a lot of them usually kind of go together, but those three, it was like, those are kind of random. Mm-hmm. But Boogie Nights, people can, 
bash me all they want for not. I don't care for that movie. It's it all is, right. <laughs> it is such a pointless movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, he has a big dick and he makes movies. Mm-hmm. Why yes, is this? This is kind of a John Holmes biopic. Why, why is this movie two and a half hours long? Mm-hmm. Like, a, after about an hour into it, I remember pausing it because I was just like, how much longer is this movie? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I still pretty much have a whole other movie to go. Yeah. Well, and yeah. like, nothing had happened pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I don't. One of the things that bugged me about Boogie Nights was that I liked how it goes into the origin story of how he gained fame, and I liked the whole fall from grace and everything. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it just circles back around to where they're all living in this house together and making porn movies together. And yeah. Life is all wonderful. I'm just like, that's really, that's not the way the 70s porn industry ended. Like, no. It was a very, very drug-induced, it went, sad It went event. out in a ball of fire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I'd say ask John Holmes, but we all know what happened to yeah. him from the porn industry. So he got involved in, he not only died from AIDS, but he was also almost convicted of the Wonderland murders yeah. and everything. And it was not, it was not all the glitz and glamour that they tried to, they tried and to I mean, they, they, they tried to still give it that grit. Of, yeah. Oh yeah. It gets pretty shitty, but then it all ends up, mm-hmm. it's like, no, it doesn't all yeah. end up happy and, but even, like, the backstory and all of that, I was like, why the fuck is this taking an hour for this mm-hmm. backstory? Like, yep. you could have summed most of this up in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I can't handle movies that just have to give so much foreshadowing and just, like, yeah. write think, better movies. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only Paul Thomas Anderson movie that I've ever been really disappointed with. Because a lot of his movies, like, they have the nice plot and the nice... Yeah like third act and everything and even like you take a movie like there will be blood which is my favorite movie of his and my favorite daniel day lewis movie yeah, and the note, that it, the note that it ends on you're just kind of left there like what the fuck is yeah. this but you love it and so that's why i was kind of always disappointed with boogie nights because it was just like you could have ended on like i mean you didn't necessarily have to end on such a solemn note but you had to give everybody the happy ending why yeah I mean, you were giving plenty of happy endings throughout it. Like, it was, there was no need for that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Punch Drunk Love. But that's a, and that's a love story, though. Yeah. So you want, you want there to be a happy ending in that, and you get that, and you're expecting that. But Boogie Nights, I was really just expecting it to be, like. The Master for him, as well, was another one of those mm-hmm. that it was just, like, it was good. That one I, I still enjoyed, but I was just, like, get to the fucking point. Yeah. Like, that one's still just, like, it drugs so much of walking character. Walking Phoenix's back story mm-hmm. and I was just like, mm-hmm. come on, like let's make let's make yeah. something happen, let's move this along. And yeah, the master I remember like people either just absolutely loved it or they absolutely hated it. Yeah. And both had very good reasons. It's a very well made movie and a very, there's great acting in it, but it's just so long and yeah. so tedious. And, and very dry in a lot of spots mm-hmm. where it's just like unless you're a film nerd, like this this movie is just going to kind of push it out there for you and yep. people are going to be like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I avoided Inherent Vice this last year. The Which that one actually wasn't that bad. Yeah. That, one, that, one was, that one was fun. Yeah, okay. Then I'll have to give that one a watch. Then. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't mind that one too much. It still is a Paul Thomas Anderson film, but it was a, mm-hmm. it was still fun. Yeah. See, I, I've I have had a problem with Walking Phoenix in a lot of films. After his whole mockumentary that he made, yeah, I I never even finished that because it was so obnoxious to watch mm-hmm. that I was just like, 
I, I, I can't do this. And the fact that he thought that it was funny bothers me even more. Well, and the fact that he thought that he was making a point on how, like, the media represents everything. I'm just like, they kind of had a justified reason in the way they were representing you because you were acting like a fucking basket case. Yeah. And it was all, quote, unquote, I am using air quotes right now, for a performance. Yeah, performance piece. <laughs> You claim that you're, that I think Casey Affleck was helping him yeah, out Yeah, Casey with. Affleck helped him out with it, which made me lose a little respect for Casey Affleck as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a, it was a rough one for me. It, mm-hmm. it kind of spun me on some of their movies and yeah. I, I've had, I've had to, uh, to work my way back. Mm-hmm. So but Casey Affleck later this year is going to kind of blow everybody away. Oh really? With, I want to say it's Manchester by the Sea. I don't. I don't want to misquote this one because it. It was one that was at Sundance this year that was absolutely amazing. Awesome. I really, really liked it, and it's one that I was just like, "That's going to a. That's going to get some." Yeah, Manchester by the Sea. Hmm. I don't know when that release date. Yeah, it's expected November eighteenth. So they're definitely putting it out there for awards for season. for the Oscar run. I mean, just to give you an idea of the cast on it. Yeah, it's Casey Affleck, Kyle Chandler, <laughs> Michelle Williams, Matthew Broderick. Uh, Tate Donovan. Nice. So I mean, it's it, it's got a it's and it still has that very indie feel to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it is it is fantastic. Yeah. So the the other film that I think is going to blow people away, and I honestly think it'll win Best Picture just going off of what I've seen mm-hmm. so far, but as the Birth of a Nation. Oh, I want to see that so much. It was so, I'm so good. Excited and for this it. is this is what's going to kill me. And mark my words. I mean, we're, we're in August right now. Mm-hmm. I've already said, I said this back when I watched this movie uh, in January. Mm-hmm. It will scoop up a ton of Oscar nominations. And where there was so much controversy with the race and stuff last year, mm-hmm. people are going to say, oh, that the this, only reason the it's, only nominated reason it's nominated is because, yeah. This movie was made like two years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago, before any of this controversy was coming out. Yeah. This movie is fucking mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. It is so damn good. And it's like, it's all it's going to take you to realize that these people yeah. who are going to say that is go see the fucking movie. Because you know the people who are going to say that are going to be the ones who didn't go see it. Yeah, they're going to be the ones that the only movie they saw a couple years ago was American Sniper and thought that that should have won all the awards. Ugh. I did not care for that I did movie. not care for that movie either. Yeah. So I, I I love that the Academy gave it. It was it was an Oscar for like sound editing, mm-hmm. and I remember telling Austin because we do our Oscar show every year. I was like, this movie will win one of these sound categories, and there's there's one thing that I look for every single time, and this if it if it's a movie that is going in for the Oscar run, and you're making your Oscar picks, if there is a helicopter in the movie, and the helicopter is not overpowering and just gives a. It will win sound editing mm-hmm. because, like that's that's what won it for Zero Dark Thirty. That yep. was what that was what I based it on was that that their helicopters aren't overpowering. Watch a lot of the other shitty movies that come out all year long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they usually have The Rock in them or something like that. Which Central Intelligence was was a funny movie. <laughs> it had its issues, but it was still enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of them, like the helicopters overpowering, they're shouting over the helicopters because they actually have to because the sound guy couldn't right. get anything. And they're, they're, it's obnoxious. Uh, but you'll hear when those Oscar movies come out that have helicopters in them. Very rarely, if they're flying, do they have that loud, overpowering helicopter mm-hmm. noise. And now that you mention it, I do recall 
hearing a lot of, like, seeing yeah. the clips, and that's the clip that they show is the one with the helicopters yeah. in it. And I, and I remember telling them, I was like, they're going to give them that because of that. That'll be the only Oscar it will win. Mm-hmm. And it was the only Oscar it won. Yep. Because I was like, the rest of the movie was garbage. Like, people can say what they want on it. It mm-hmm. was it was garbage. I hated that movie. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not shitting on Chris Kyle or anything. And I remember seeing an interview with him when yeah. after the book came out and everything. And I think Bradley Cooper did a good job. Yeah, Bradley Cooper role. did and a fine job playing It's very role. sad what happened with Chris Kyle and everything. Yeah. But it was all these people who were just like, oh, that movie is so great. And it was like... Now go was see it? everything else out that yeah. came out this year, and it's not that... Go see the movie that actually forked out the money for the... Well, I guess it didn't fork out the money for the CGI baby in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was going up against, like, Birdman, and people were just mm-hmm. like, oh, Birdman. I'm like, oh, have you seen Birdman? No, it looks stupid. I'm like, you can't, you can't shit talk. on it yeah. and say American Sniper should be it just because you want a good USA movie. Like, mm-hmm. that's not... That's not what the Oscars are about. They're about great filmmaking. Yeah. And Birdman was a fucking fantastic film. Mm-hmm. I hope The Witch gets nominated for something. I hope it does too. And I love that you said that because so many people, when when my wife and I actually left the theater, mm-hmm. so we, we were kind of sitting there taking it all in and these people were leaving and they're like, hey, you guys actually enjoy that? And we we're like, yeah, yeah, it was exactly what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wish they honestly would have done more with it, mm-hmm. but I don't know where I would have gone with more. Like, I, yeah. I kind of wish some of the stuff that happened towards the end would have happened sooner on and they could have built it, it off kind of that. Of, yeah, it kind of cluttered itself at the end but, with everything. But, but the entire script and the idea, I mean, it was based off of all sorts of lore from... Well, an actual transcript yeah, from transcripts. people who were just like, this is what happened. Which is when people us. are like, oh, well, the dialect was off. Austin actually went into detail with this, where he was, it's like, yeah, when people are saying that the dialect is off, the dialect's not off. It's mm-hmm. written from different dialects. Yep. And so they had to actually bring that into it. Like, that's what makes the performances so amazing, is they did have to kind of transition mm-hmm. back and forth into the, all that. The, one of the biggest things I wish that they would have changed with that movie was the first act. Yeah. Because all we were actually talking about this one night when we were walking to dinner during Comic-Con. Because with that movie, all of a sudden it was like it opens up. They're in the trial of their families going to be exiled. And boom, they're exiled. And it's like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, why? Why? Yeah. Like, that, like, I wish they would have built up that first act stronger. Mm-hmm. And Austin at first argued, he was just like, well, are you sure that's really the first act? I was like, it's the main inciting incident that causes mm-hmm. everything so yes it's the it's, first it's act. the whole reason why they end up out in the middle of nowhere yeah. defenseless and with the witches yeah and, and he was like yeah i guess you're right that was and i was like mm-hmm. it's like a three minute first act and mm-hmm. i was like yeah i wanted more yeah within there usually usually a first act and that short of a movie is at least around the 15 minute mark mm-hmm. i mean come on they should have read sid Phil's screenwriting book yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would have been good for them to show like because they never really, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they never really explain why they're being Yeah, they outcast. never. And so that would have been interesting to see because maybe, like, all of this stuff um, was going on beforehand, and that's why. And it was just the dad covering yeah. up for the daughter. Which I guarantee whatever. there are transcripts that would have backed all that up. Oh, yeah. They still could have continued mm-hmm. all of that. But, yeah, they just, it, yeah, it, dis- it disappointed me in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I, overall, yeah, I, it, was, it was fantastic. It was beautifully shot, yeah. too. Well, I mean, you could tell, because I had the same experience in my theater, 
um, I went with my friend Samantha, and she loves films too, and she's studied it and everything. So she was a great person to go see that with because she knew that we weren't going in there for like a jump scare type yeah. of movie. And I think that's what the majority of audiences were going in it for. Which I blame that on the studio. Yeah. Because the studio marketed that as, you know, Stephen King says the scariest movie he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and all these things. And I saw several people that were like, oh, well, how did he think that was the scariest movie he'd ever seen? Mm-hmm. And It's like, because scary isn't always based off of, like, bumps in the night and everything yeah. like that. Scary is based off of the atmosphere and what's going on and, like, this whole family, like... That there's the scene, and I try won't try. I'm gonna try not to give a lot away, but like when the brother is sick and like the twins are blaming the sister because you know earlier in the movie she was joking that she's the witch that's gonna yeah. come take them away, and this was back in like the Puritan America with the first pilgrims yeah. and everything, and they were very superstitious on witches and the occult and everything like that. And so when these twins start saying like, oh, the daughter, the older sister, she's the one who's making him sick and trying to kill him and everything, and like. They go into the fits, and then they just, like, lay there, and they're just completely still. And so, like, that's frightening that a family would turn on each other so easily yeah, as they exactly. did. And, again, it's all stuff that's documented. These mm-hmm. things these things happen to these Puritan families. and Yeah. Yeah, it, it's crazy when you really go into it and realize, like, everything that that movie took. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that one into the yeah. mix. So I, I think, too, that it, I doubt it will because the Academy doesn't tend to like that style mm-hmm. so and a lot of horror even suspense films usually aren't even screened for critics yeah because most of them critics are going to hate mm-hmm. so and and so they they just kind of leave them out and it's like yeah you guys can go see it when you see it because they have their own niche audience that's going to see it anyway mm-hmm. and i was really worried that i was building up too much hype for it because i remember when i first saw the trailer it was for on um it was a trailer for crimson peak it was when i yeah. went to see that and afterwards, I went and looked up the movie, and it already had, like, a 90 meta score on it. And I was just like, holy shit, this movie has to be, like, fucking amazing. And yeah. so I got a little worried that I was building it up too much, but I was very, very pleased with it. But I remember when uh, the movie ended and people got up, you could... I just heard someone in the back, they're like, worst movie ever. And I just wanted to be like, why? Why was that, why was that yeah. a bad movie? Because it didn't have, like, the gore and the... But they're probably also the same ones yeah. that are defending Suicide Squad right now as an amazing movie. I, I, I heard the greatest example, like two days after I had watched Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. I was watching a video um, that Matt Parker and Trey Stone from South Park spoke at this class years ago about screenwriting. They said whenever they look at a script, they know that it is going to be just absolutely fucked up. Mm-hmm. If as they're reading it, it just kind of jumps to, and then this happens. And then this happens. And then this happens. And those are the way that the beats hit on the script. Yeah. And how they look at it and they say, but then this happened, therefore this happened. And their their process of writing builds into a script of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, a lot of shitty screenwriters, it's like listening to a five-year-old tell you what happened on Christmas Day. I opened my presents and then, and then I went sledding. And then, <laughs> and it's like you think about a movie like Suicide Squad. I was mm-hmm. like... There were criminals, and then there was the Joker, and, and and then all of a sudden the lady under the subway, like, she had flailing arms, mm-hmm. and then for some reason they went after her? Yeah, and because for some reason she officially be, she let Enchantress take her over, which is not a, going to be explained until the last five minutes of the film, and yeah. yeah, it was... And even then it doesn't make that much sense to begin with. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was just a clusterfuck of, and then this happened, and mm-hmm. then this... And when I heard them say that, I was like, 
wow, that just explained why. And so when I see so many people that are like, no, fuck the critics. I'm like, no, see, a lot of critics studied film. Yeah. We understand why, like, the progression. Then I thought, look at how most people post things on social media and they talk. Most of them are, and then this happened, and then, mm-hmm. and then this happened, mm-hmm. and and that's exactly why. Yeah. Well, and I remember the whole week leading up to. I say I remember a lot. I'm sorry. I know that probably gets annoying. <laughs> I didn't. That's just how didn't I notice. do. <laughs> okay. Um, but when all the reviews were coming out the week of, and everybody was freaking out, and they're just like, critics just hate DC films. And I'm just like, is that why the Dark Knight trilogy has some of the highest scores on Rotten Tomato and yeah. Metacritic of all time? Like, you can't blame the critics for hate, for being prejudiced on DC and Marvel, because I guarantee you in this entire group of hundreds of thousands of film critics out there, they're not all just pro-Marvel and... Yeah, Marvel didn't pay them off. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was it stop was funny. Stop being a baby to... and just realize that it was my whole feeling. I think we talked about this the last time you were on uh, in Movie Nerds We Trust is that there was way too much hype yeah. built up for it. I think I said it possibly. It might have been on the show or afterwards mm-hmm. where I said because it, it was before Ghostbusters had even come out. Yeah, and I said, mark my words, it everybody's freaking out about Ghostbusters and so excited for Suicide Squad. It's going to be Ghostbusters that critics are going to be like, oh, this actually isn't bad. Mm -hmm. Because it had the recipe for success. You had four of the funniest women in comedy. Mm -hmm. You had a great director who knows how to write and direct for women better than anybody. And women on the show who were writers, so you know, yeah, it could be like, hey, I think this would be funnier. I think this would work better yeah, for w- it. Yeah, women that know how to play off of each other, that have all gone through improv and sketch and everything together. Mm-hmm. And then you have Suicide Squad that... I know people love Will Smith. I haven't been able to stand one of his movies since The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. And when we, even when we were at Conan, and like they would show us the clips, because we were there with the entire cast, mm-hmm. and they would show us different clips, Will Smith they would just, so, so it was some kind of suicide squad, mm-hmm. and then he'd go, they'd cut back to them talking, and it was like the same person on mm-hmm. the stage, and it's like, he, he just talks. Yeah. Like, he wasn't as bad as I actually expected him to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. But still, it was just like, it took me out of it every single time, because he plays the same role no matter what. Yeah, I have to say, when I, w- I was watching Conan when they were interviewing Suicide Squad, and so many times I was just like, I want to talk to Tim about this, because like, with, each, <laughs> with each and every clip that they were showing, I was less and less enthused about the movie. Yeah. I'm like, this is going to be so bad. I can just tell from the clips that they're showing, this is going to be so bad. My, my favorite part of being there with the cast, though, that made me laugh so hard is they gave everybody in the theater, uh, IMAX and Conan and the cast presented everybody, and it was pretty much just from IMAX, mm-hmm. uh, passes to go see the movie. Right. And Will Smith at the end, like, touching his chest, like, from me <laughs> to you. And Austin, my wife, and I all just are sta- standing there like, you didn't do a fucking thing. <laughs> like... Not a dime of your... This wasn't even your idea. IMAX did this. Like, like he probably didn't even know they were going to do that until five minutes before they went on. Before they went on stage. Yeah, it was... (laughs) I was just like, oh, Will Smith. Yeah, that was... It it was something else. Mm -hmm. I read an interesting article the other day, and it was said why Harley Quinn is both the best and worst thing about Suicide Squad. And it made a very good point, because... She's very, you can tell that Margot Robbie put a lot of effort and yeah. most, I feel like she looked into the character a lot and brought, cause she, you know, she gets to play Harley, Dr. Harleen Quinn. Yeah. 
and everything. And yeah, they just said, you know, this was a director who just pulled her back way too much, didn't let her really get to go. And you could see that trying to come out. She was like, there's so much more I could do in this scene. But the director, for whatever reason, just well, I mean, Jared Leto's even kind of come back and been yeah. like, you shot enough footage of me to make an entire movie, movie. and this is yeah. all you use? Mm-hmm. And, like, Austin laughed, and it was just like, it was almost like they were like, hey, this is not our only actor here that's won an Oscar. Let's cut him out of it because this movie's too mm-hmm. shitty to put him in. Yeah. Which... And, and it blows my mind that people think he did a terrible job. I was like, he was kind of one of the redeeming factors. Like... I think he did... I think he I did mean, a he good job. he wasn't Heath Ledger. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to reach that again. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's, not, he's not even really Mark Hamill in that in that sense, you know. Yeah. But he was in no ways terrible. I did. He was my, his own. Mm-hmm, my friend pointed out, because I was sitting there listening to his voice, I'm like, who does this voice remind me of? And then my friend afterwards was like, did he sound a little bit like Jim Carrey? I'm like, that's what he sounded like. He sounds like yeah. Jim Carrey in it The was, Mask. It was it was like a mix. You could, you could hear the Heath Ledger bits that he pulled. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then there was... I, I love that he talked about that he'd walk around the streets of New York trying to figure out the voice, and mm-hmm. and he would just randomly start laughing <laughs> to see like how people around him would react. Mm-hmm. And the ones that startled people, that's what he went with. Right. And so it was... I, I couldn't believe that people shit on him as much as they as much did as they for are. it. But I was like, really? He was pointless to that entire movie. Mm-hmm. He you, brought... you could have you could have cut him out of the movie, and it's nothing against Jared Leto. It's yeah. the bad directing and the bad editing. Mm-hmm. You you could have taken he... him out, and you would have had the exact same movie. You could have cut a lot of characters out of that movie and yeah. had the exact same movie. Like, who was it? Is it the first guy like... that got killed that I can't even remember his name? Oh no, I felt so bad because I used. I know the guy who plays him, Adam Beach. He's been in. Yeah. He was on Law and Order SVU for yeah. a couple of seasons, and I loved him on that. And you know, he was there at the at, at Conan, Conan, yeah, and everything. And they were talking up his part like he was a big deal. And then he gets killed literally before their mission really even starts. And I was just like, he basically, "Thanks, Adam Beach. Your checks in the mail." Yeah. <laughs> he he basically shows up. And I was like, "Yep, I'm on your squad." Mm-hmm. And then ten minutes later, he's dead. And it's just mm-hmm. like, wait, why, why, why was he in this? Yeah. What was the point? There was literally no yeah, the, point. Yeah, there was like zero backstories to half of them. When there was, it was just like, this is Katana. She has a sword. Now she's mm-hmm. on your team. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like that was, <laughs> that was like as quick as, and all throughout I was just like, why? Why are you doing yeah. this? Well, and who's the Australian guy? I know he's, he has a name oh, the, kind like of Captain similar. Oh, Boomerang? Yeah, Boomerang. Yeah. I was going to say, he kind of has a name similar almost to Deadshot, and I want to call him. Something so what's like funny that. is Tom Hardy was initially cast in that role, mm-hmm. and then I feel like he got cast, and they were like, "So can you play Tom Hardy?" Mm-hmm. And like so much of it, even the way they did him up was he looked like Tom Hardy. Yeah, he. Thank you. That's who he yeah. looked like. I've been trying to figure he out. He looked since I saw like Tom movie. Hardy throughout the entire, like even the promo pictures. Like the first promo picture I saw, I was like, "But I thought Tom Hardy dropped out of this." Mm-hmm. And and then I was like, "Oh, he did. That's somebody else." Like. Yeah, and his character was was pointless. Mm-hmm. And there was just there was a part in this movie that just infuriated me because it made no sense, and it had to do with Diablo at the very end when he kind of like saves the day, and he has a line in the movie that is just such bullshit because it makes no sense when he's just like, "No, I've lost one family. I'm not gonna lose my another family too." And it's just like you've all known each other for like five hours. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. None of your interactions have even brought you. Have even made me think. Yeah, you that guys you have hated each other this close. entire yeah. time. Like the only line I would have believed that coming from is like Harley Quinn trying to protect 
protect Deadshot or vice versa. Yeah. Because they were the only ones that really even had enough interaction with yeah. each other to warrant that kind of a response. So I was just like, are you fucking kidding me right now with this? Yeah, there, there, was, there was plenty. We could go on and on on, on why that movie was a... I do have. <laughs> I do have to bring up because this made no. It made no sense to me as to why it opened showing Deadshot and Harley Quinn, then went to the title sequence, then immediately went into Viola Davis's character telling Deadshot and Harley Quinn's backstories. Yeah, the I, opening of it just made. I was I was very confused as well. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there like, why did they? Why would they open up with? Like, it, I just cannot understand why they would open up with that. Why they wouldn't just save that. For when they introduced the characters yeah. into the movie. It made absolutely no sense. And then I read that uh, the people who edited this are, was a company that like edits movie trailers. And I'm just like, oh, that explains why they tried to fit like a two-hour story into barely an hour and 45 minutes, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. Uh, it that's, made, it, that, that, that makes the, the shitty editing make more sense. Yeah. Yeah, because with the trailer, you don't have to have anything make sense necessarily. You just have to be like, "Look how cool this might yeah, be." Yeah, you just have to have funny lines. <laughs> yeah, and you funny, have you have to great capture images people. and everything like that. Yeah, when I read that, it's like, well, there's that answer is one problem with the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I noticed you have a John Oliver pop doll up there. Yes. And I am very envious of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, like I've started getting all of the Conans. Mm-hmm. So like I've got the Conan monster there. I have the Joker and Stormtrooper Conan in the other room. Awesome. Then I'm trying to still get the other Conans from from the last year's Comic Con and then this year's. So they're they're hard to get. Yeah, I saw at Hot Topic they've they're starting to release a Scott Pilgrim versus the yeah. universe, and they had uh, Ramona, Scott, and Knives all together, but I did not have the money to buy them, so I was very upset that I had to They've had those store. for a little while, so you oh, should still they? be in luck getting okay. those. Well, the, one, that, the one I mm-hmm. thought today that they need to make, they need to make a Mr. Robot line. Yeah. I, I, I was catching up on season two today, and I was like, where, where are my Mr. Robot pops? Like, that needs to be a thing. Yeah. So I, I would scoop those up. I mean, if you're going to do Clueless and... Sometimes and Mean the, Girls. Yeah, sometimes the. So I love Mean Girls, but there's no reason for there to be no pop, pop figures for. No, so, yeah, that's how I feel about a lot of pop figures. I'm just like, why? Why is this a thing? Yeah. Because I mean, I love your Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, but I'm kind of just like, why are? Why do we need pop dolls for those? Yeah, <laughs> never in a million years would I have bought, like, <laughs> political figure pop figures or anything. But I saw those and I was just like, those are just kind of funny. Like I yeah. want them. I refused to buy the Trump one. Like, if I wanted a butt plug, maybe, but that's yeah. about all you could use it for. <laughs> oh, man. I, I posted. I've never I've never been one to get into political arguments and anything. I could try to stay away with it. This year is just, it's hard. Yeah. This election round. And I posted something. It was after he said the whole, you know, there's a second amendment, so you got to stop Hillary. I got my, I was just, I think I was just so... I, I saw a lot of the people mm-hmm. that had commented on your thing, mm-hmm. and so many of them I wanted to respond back to, and I was just like, don't do it, don't do it, don't rope yourself no. into it. <laughs> I mean, I was like, I think I was very underwhelmed. I was expecting more of, 
like people who were voting for Bernie and people who were going to vote for Hillary. Who or just reasonable just people that would yeah. be like, why the fuck would any human being say that? Yeah, and I mean, maybe I took it too far by being like, I don't understand why anybody's voting for him because he had the right to vote for anybody. But yeah. I was literally just like, I don't understand how people can hear him say things like this and think it's okay. And yeah, all of a sudden, just like all of these people who I had no idea, my some of my friends felt this way. I was just like, oh, oh, okay, this this is happening right yeah. now. And my sister got into a big, well, me and my sister and um, one of my friends actually got into a big argument with someone. I won't go into details. The comments are no longer there because <laughs> I think he realized that he was, in fact, wrong because his arguments made absolutely no sense. Yeah. But when I was telling one of my friends, she's like, I wanted a comment, but then I just thought, don't get involved. Like, she was like you. She's like, don't get involved. I'm like, no, I could have used you. And, like, the only way I could describe how I felt with all of these pro-Trump posts was there's a Strongbow commercial with Patrick Stewart in it, and he's just like, <laughs> I'm acting, but I'm not really acting. Well, I, I am acting, and then he just kind of stands there like, well, somebody give me a line. I am dying out here. And that's how I felt. I was just like, well, somebody please get in here and help me on this. I, I can't handle it all by myself. I thought I could, but I can't. It's funny because my parents, my parents are fairly conservative. They know I'm very liberal. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time during an election that they've actually like because they know i went to school and stuff for it Mm -hmm. and it's the first time that they've actually turned around and been like hey what do you know about this what do you know and i'm just like oh so now who is the one who knows what the hell they're talking (laughs) about who has the upper hand now mother so it's it's been kind of funny to see that see it kind of come back around to that yeah i i try and stay out of it on facebook and twitter Mm -hmm. just because i don't like I hate having my Facebook blown up yeah. by people that don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like I, I posted one a couple weeks ago and I'm like, I only left it for Twitter because my Twitter seems to be a little more liberal than, right? <laughs> and it's not so Utah based, but there's the guy uh, from that's like running as a third party. At, what is it? Evan McDonald? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Evan, Evan McMullen. I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he's former CI, former Goldman Sachs. And it's like, okay, that's a red flag right there. Yeah. But as soon as they're like, but he's also a return missionary and a BYU graduate. And all of a sudden people in Utah are like, yes, yes, <laughs> those are the qualifications of the person that should lead this country. Mm-hmm. And I made a joke about that on Twitter and I still got a little bit of backlash for it. Right. And I was just like, I watched it happen. Like, you can't tell me I'm wrong. Like, I see it happen Mm -hmm. every fucking day. And it's just like, I I try and stay out of it just because of Mm -hmm. that. But it's just... I couldn't... Yeah, I do too. I just couldn't help myself when I... Because when I heard that and saw that, I'm just like, this is not okay. Yeah. Joking or not, this is not okay. Because all it's going to take is for some... Some loose cannon yeah, to take him seriously. Yeah, loose cannon who's just like, yeah, he's right. And this is what he meant by that. And I'm going to go do that. And then, and I mean, I'm sorry. Regardless of your feelings on Hillary, nobody deserves to die. Yeah. Nobody. Not even Donald Trump. No. Nobody deserves to just have their life taken away because you don't agree with what they... Donald Trump deserves to have his phone taken away, but not necessarily his life. (laughs) Yes. And that's what people people were saying on the post. They were like, you know he was just joking. And I'm just like, so it's funny to very, very, no matter how subtly encourage people to use their Second Amendment rights to go possibly kill someone. And if he was joking, his crowd, he would have said something after the fact. Yeah. So, and, and they still, like, 
he the rebuttal to it was well no he's meaning that it's a large base of voters that yeah. can vote like they still didn't say he was joking mm-hmm. they, they tried to come up with but but i love that it's like all of his voters and i've seen several political cartoons for it where you know, whenever you ask somebody, like, because we love that he says what he means. Yes. But then when he says something, like, but that's not what he meant. My, yeah, my <laughs> sister point posted something about that, like, a couple of days after. Yeah. And it, that's what it says. It's just, like, Trump didn't really mean what he said. What he really meant was dot, dot, dot. And then at the bottom, and it says, said by every Trump supporter who says they like him because he says what he means. Yeah. And it's just, like, you can't have it. Either you, either it's what he really means or... It's not like yeah. you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't be like yes, we agree with that, and then when people make a big deal over it because it is rather blasphemous, you can't be like no, he didn't really mean the, that. He, he didn't mean that. He he didn't want to actually kill her. He said he wanted to, but mm-hmm. but that's not what he meant. Yeah. Well, and someone even posted on that, like when either like someone said. He didn't really mean that. He was just joking. And then right underneath, I was like, yeah, and you just need to lighten up. You know, people like Trump because he says what he means, and I'm just like. But did you yeah. get, I thought... Jim Jeffries did a great bit on the people that say that they're voting for him because he speaks his mind. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's listening, go find that Jim Jeffries bit because it is incredible. It, it is Jim Jeffries is just amazing as it is, but that mm-hmm. that bit that he did, it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'll have to go listen to that. <laughs> so great. it's been fun catching up with you. Yeah, I, I know. Like I said, we only really get to see each other. During, podcasts. During, during podcasts like yeah. it's, it's the only time we we really catch up but it, it's been fun just kind of kind of bullshitting it's, yeah it really it's, and, and learning more about your acting because i've never known a mm-hmm. ton about it i was just like i know quincy's an actress yeah. that's uh that's about it yeah. it's hard for me i'm not i've never it's self-promotion has never been easy for me i don't know why i guess i'm kind of just like yeah i do this but i don't want to be that person who's just like i'm so amazing yeah. so talking about myself is kind of hard but yeah i think i'm getting better at it i hope i i hope i am anyway i I think i think you've done a fine job thank you (laughs) (laughs) but no it was fun catching up and where where can everybody find you on social media so they can they can see you try and self self promote when you when you feel like it um i am on (laughs) facebook i have both my personal page and my actor's page just under quincy staker you can usually tell the difference because my actor's page has my professional headshot whereas my Personal only has my selfie that I took. They <laughs> both look good, though. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm on there. I'm also on Instagram. I finally broke down. I took your advice and got an Instagram, <laughs> and I have I have honestly loved it. And that's just at Quincy Staker, Q U I N C I S T A K E R, and I post on that whenever I'm on set or yeah, just doing a lot. We of haven't got stuff. you on Twitter yet. You haven't got me on Twitter yet. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll, 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 it'll eventually be maybe, the breakdown. Yes. Maybe, maybe next, by the next time I'm on the show, I will have started a Twitter. So, so again, I'm glad that we were able to catch up. And everybody go follow Quincy on those on, on the different social media links. And they'll all be on the website, too. Yeah. So, so everybody can go there as well. So, But hopefully we'll see before the next time I'm on. Yes. That would be podcast, great. I'm sure I'll so. run into you at Comic-Con. M- most likely. So I'll be, I'll be running around like crazy. I, st- I still don't know what my schedule is for it yet. And it's like. Two and a half weeks away, so I'm a little nervous. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind of need to know what my I've, like I'm an announced guest and everything, but I have no idea what my schedule is. So it'll be. I feel like that's the way it is with all <laughs> the guests there, because I remember the very first, very first Comic Con they had, because my friend Megan she works for Media One and kind mm-hmm. of put the books together for it, and we got it the day, and she's like, "Yeah, those are already like completely useless because nothing in there is correct." 
boot because they've definitely gotten yeah, better at it. Yeah, but. <laughs> they're getting. Yeah, it's still fun. Yeah, I mean, it's still fun. They're working it out. So. I think by their fifth year, they'll really have everything yeah. <laughs> together. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, and yeah, we'll see you at Comic Con. Yeah, see you there. Thanks. <laughs>